Welcome to Gaia's Love, a podcast of brief messages to help humanity bridge the gap to the new earth. My name is Vivian Gerard. It is my delight to be a scribe for consciousness today, sharing the wisdom that flows through from source. Here we go. Episode 123. It is Wednesday today, hump day. It is a day of rain coming down and melting away all of our snow and turning everything back to brown. It's also a day where we're getting our carpets cleaned. And so I feel like everything is just being rinsed, rinsed and purified and cleaned out, literally, figuratively. And so today, I, in my meditation time, All I could think about was this book by Richard Bach called One and how much I love the imagery that he shares. And so I'm bringing that vibration of the book to you. I'll read a little bit of it. But to set it up, he is a real person, an author, a metaphysicist, and um, a pilot. He studied how to fly planes. And he wrote these books. The first one was Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which many people have heard of, and then Bridge Across Forever, and this new one that's old (laughs) called One. I don't even know. It's probably 20 years old. I read it when I was in college, and it blew my mind open, the possibilities that it shared. And it's always been a book I've come back to. I have my original paperback copy, and I love this book so much. The story, because it's written in story format, is that he's a pilot, he's met his wife, and they are traveling around doing speaking engagements, and he flies them from place to place in his little two-person plane. As this book, one, which I'm going to read from, starts, they are flying the plane, and he, he writes it in sort of a fictional way so that you can get the spiritual messages that he's sharing or the energetic messages that he's sharing. And so he describes how the plane crashes. He loses control of the gauges, and he can't control the plane, and it crashes. And he and his wife think that they're dead because the plane has crashed, and this is a real feeling. He's describing it as a real story. And as they crash, they're at this hotel, and they are walking around, and they're trying to realize, are they dead or alive? And as they're walking around, they see who they used to be. I think it was like five years before, ten years before that. And it was the moment where they could have met. There's so many movies, you know, about this. The one moment, and if the plane or the train or the car or the thing hadn't crossed at that exact moment in time, would you have met and would you have found the love of your life? You know, these romanticized stories. And so in this book, they describe how the plane crashes. They see these younger versions of themselves. And so they go to talk to these these younger versions of themselves to try to convince them this is how they should live their life. And then as they're trying to convince them and they're being met with complete disbelief, if you can imagine, here you are in your day and a future you shows up and starts talking to you, you're like, what? What is happening? And so they pull back out of that scene and they're back in the airplane and they're flying. 
and they're trying to figure out what's happened. And so the story is, this is where I'm going to drop us into the story. There is a guide or an angel or a spiritual energy that comes into the plane and starts sharing with them, here's what's happening. And so it becomes this philosophical conversation about time and consciousness and love and reality. But in the format of two people flying an airplane. So it's a really fun way to play with these concepts and and it opens up dialogue and ideas for each of us to just ponder on our own or talk about with our friends. So I'm going to read the book. I encourage you find a copy of Richard Bach's book called One and just play. Just read it and play with it and see what resonates. Okay, so I'm going to start us at page 47, which, of course, 47, <laughs> that's how old I am right now. And my birthday, I turned 48, so I didn't even realize that was the page number until I opened, opened up to look at it here. Okay, so the guide person that they have working with them, or the person who brings them information, her name is Pi, P-Y-E. And then um, Richard keeps his own name in the story, so he's the pilot Richard, and his wife's name is Leslie. So they're flying in the airplane and they're not using any fuel and they're trying to figure out what's going on and their guide starts talking to them. And she says, look around, you know, see what's happening, what is real and what isn't real. And so Leslie says, well, we're moving. And Pi says, are you? And Richard says, don't look at me. I said, we're moving only in, in belief. We're moving only in, and then he just stopped and he says, consciousness? Pi touched the tip of her nose, flashed a bright smile. Exactly. Time is your name for the motion of consciousness. Every possible event that can happen in space and time happens now, at once, simultaneous. There is no past, there is no future, only now. Although we have to use a time-based language so we can talk. It's like, she looked to the ceiling for a simile. It's like arithmetic. As soon as you know the system, you know that every problem in numbers is already answered. The principle of arithmetic already knows the cube root of six, but it may take us what we call time, a few seconds, to find out what the answer has always been. The cube root of eight is two, I thought. The cube root of one is one. Cube root of six, somewhere between one and two on the high side, 1.8. And sure enough, while I calculated, I knew that the answer had been waiting since before I had asked the question. Every event, said Leslie, every possible thing that can happen has already happened. There is no future, nor past, said Pi, nor time. Leslie, ever practical, was exasperated. Then why do we live through all these experiences in this, this make-believe time if everything's already done? Why bother? The point is not that it's done, but that we have infinite choice, said Pi. Our choices lead us to our experiences. And with experience, we realize that we are not the little creatures we seem to be. We're interdimensional expressions of life, mirrors of spirit. Where does all this happen, I, I said? Is there some big warehouse in the sky with shelves of all of these possible events to choose from? Not a warehouse, not a place, so you may perceive it as a place, she said. Where do you think it might be? I shook my head, turned to Leslie. She shook her head too. Pi asked again, dramatically, where? Watching our eyes, she raised her hand and pointed downward.
we looked. Below us, underwater, because they were flying over the ocean, underwater turned those endless paths on the ocean floor. The pattern, said Leslie, under the water? Oh, our choices. The pattern represents the paths that we took, the turns that we made, and every possible other turn we could have made that we have made in parallel lifetimes? I asked, watching the pieces fall together. Alternate lifetimes? The pattern sprawled majestically below us. We goggled down in wonder because they're flying over the ocean and you know how you can see all of those like ways that the sand and the waters move in the water and the sand of the ocean floor. Those are my notes. <laughs> Here's what they say. We fly up high, I said, trembling with insight, and we have perspective. We see every choice and fork and crossroad. But the lower we fly, the closer we get to the ocean, the more we lose perspective. And when we land, our perspective on all the other choices is gone. We focus on the detail, the daily, hourly, minute detail. The alternate lifetimes are forgotten. What a pretty metaphor you've built to explore who you are, said Pi. A pattern under endless water. You do have to fly your seaplane here and there to visit your alternate selves, but it's a creative tool and it works. The sea underneath us then, I said, it isn't a sea at all. The pattern isn't really there. Nothing in space-time is really there, she said. The pattern is a visual aid that you've built. It's your way of understanding simultaneous lifetimes. It's a metaphor of flight because you love flying. When you land, your seaplane floats above the pattern and your observers, your ghosts in your alternate worlds. You can learn from your other aspects without taking their surroundings for real. When you've learned what you need to learn, you remember your seaplane, push the throttle forward, and you're swept into the air back with your grand perspective. We designed this pattern, asked Leslie. There are as many metaphors for lives in space-time as there are disciplines that fascinate you, said Pi. If you loved photography, your metaphor could have turned on levels of focus. Focus makes one point sharp and everything else a blur. We focus on one lifetime, we think that's all there is. But all those other aspects, the misty ones we take for dreams and wishes and might-have-beens, they're as real as any other. We choose our focus. Is this why we're fascinated with physics, I asked, with quantum mechanics, with timelessness? None of it's possible, but all of it's true? No past lives, no future lives. Zoom down to one point, believe it's moving, and we've invented time? Get involved and we think it's the only life there is? Is that right, Pi? Close enough, she said. And then we can fly ahead, said Leslie, beyond the place where we left young Richard and Leslie, and we can land ahead of them and find out whether they stayed together. We can see if they saved those years that we lost. You already know, said our other world guide. We don't, I said. We were pulled away. Pi smiled. They have choices, too. One aspect of them is frightened and runs from a future too full of commitment. Another becomes friends but never lovers. Another becomes lovers but never friends. Another marries and divorces. Another decides to see each other's soulmates, marries, and loves forever. So we're like tourists here, I said. We don't build the landscape. We just choose which part of it we want to see. That's a nice way of looking at it, said Pi. Okay, I said, let's pretend we fly to a slice of the pattern where we land and keep our mother from meeting our father. If they don't meet, how could we have been born? 
No, Richie, said Leslie, that wouldn't stop us from being born. We were born in the part of the pattern where they did meet, and nothing can change that. Nothing's predetermined, I asked. There is no destiny? Of course there is destiny, said Pi, but destiny doesn't push you where you don't want to go. You're the ones who choose. Destiny's up to you. We would choose to go home, Pi, I said. How do we get back? She smiled. Going home is as easy as jumping off a log. Your pattern is a psychic one, but the way back is spiritual. Guide yourselves by love. <sighs> For the rest of the story, you're going to have to buy the book and read it yourself because it's so much fun. <laughs> Uh, Richard Bach, thank you for the gift of one. Thank you for tuning in to today's vibration. Let's take this message of pure love out into all of our communities and continue expanding love here on Gaia. So much love from my heart to yours.